So Exodus chapter 35, verse 1. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts and bases. The ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it. The table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence. The lampstand that is for light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light. The altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. The curtain for the doorway at the entrance to the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils. The bronze basin with its stand. The curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard. The tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and their ropes. The woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments of, for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewellery of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings and ornaments. They, presented, they all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had purple, blue, purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen or goat hair, ram skins dyed red or the other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen, and all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. 
He's filled them with skill to do all kinds of work, as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you so much that uh, you are a God who uh, comes and meets with us and uh, makes yourself known to us. And Lord, we ask that you would make yourself known to us now, that you would, <clears throat> as we reflect on these words, that you would strengthen us, encourage us, uh, and help us uh, to be built up so that we might build up your church. Uh, Lord, with the gifts that you've given to us. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, there's nothing better, I reckon, than a community building project. Uh, has anyone ever been involved in a community building project, a big working bee or something like that? A few people. Uh, we had one a few years ago out the back. We kind of uh, put together some play equipment and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I love it. I, I just love to be on the tools again. You know, I just... Um, it's a, great, it's a great gift. But um, uh, when I was growing up, there was a man in my church who, um, uh, whose business had got into trouble and he lost his home uh, and as a result, he had to buy a house that needed some extensive renovating work. It had been fire damaged, I think. And as a result of that, over the months uh, and uh, uh, weeks ahead, my dad and I would go every Saturday or most Saturdays with a bunch of other people from the church to help do renovations. Uh, and I had a blast. Uh, I'd turn up there. I was pretty young. I'd turn up there with my little tool belt on and my, and my toolbox and my, uh, and my little electric drill. Uh, and uh, one of my heroes there was a man named Jono. Uh, he's actually, some people here know him. He's actually a, a now a teacher at SNBC in Sydney. Uh, and he was my hero. Uh, I just thought that Jono was amazing and I would follow him around and try and learn uh, everything from him. Uh, and when I grew up, I wanted to be a carpenter just like uh, he was. Shame that I never uh, got the skills for it. But, um, but I'd follow him around and I'd follow other people around and I'd learn as much as I could and I would do uh, as much as I could. And when the work was finally finished, I, I was so disappointed because those Saturdays, working together with those other men uh, and uh, uh, the people who came to help was just such a great time of fellowship and fun and productivity. And the passage that we're looking at uh, today is really a bit like that home renovation uh, but on a much bigger scale, it's a building project that occupied God's people uh, in the time of Moses. 
So we're coming now to the final chapters of the book of Exodus. God has brought his people up out of Egypt, out of slavery. He's rescued them. He's established a new relationship with them through Moses. He's given them the details on this tabernacle or this tent that they are to build that will kind of symbolize and represent God's presence among them. And now in these chapters, these last chapters, the people are finally getting down to building uh, that tent. Moses says to the people in verse 4 of chapter 35, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. The kinds of offerings they were to bring, in other words, were the kinds of materials that were needed uh, to build the tabernacle. So things like gold and silver, bronze, expensive colored fabrics, uh, fine linen, goat's hair, other animal skins, acacia wood, oil, spices, precious gems, all the things that they needed uh, for the construction of the tabernacle. And all those things are expensive items. They're not the kind of the spare items that you have in the cupboard. Oh, you know, do we have any gold left in the pantry, Martha? You know, it's the kind of, you know, they're not raiding the pantry, but they're raiding the, their, their most precious possessions. It's not the tin of baked beans, you know, that you have sitting at the back of the cupboard that you bring in, uh, you know, for the church fair. It's not the broken kids' toys that you think, oh, no one, you know, gosh, we don't want this anymore and the mission shop won't take it, so we'll do- donate it, you know, <laughs> to the church creche. That's not what they're doing. It's their most expensive, their most prized possessions that they're bringing along, their best jewellery, their best dinnerware, their best fabrics, their best timber. And what's amazing is that they're not forced to do it. God says to Moses, let everyone who wants to bring something, bring it. No one's forced to do it. They're just asked to bring what God puts in their heart to give. And look at what happens at the uh, beginning of chapter 6. The workers have to put down their tools. They have to stop working. But not because there's not enough staff. They're not putting down their tools because they're saying, gosh, you know, we'd really like to get on and, and do this building, but there's not enough staff. They have to put down their tools because there's too much stuff. They have to go to Moses and say, look, we're swamped with all the, with all the things that we need for building the tabernacle. You're going to have to ask these people to stop being so generous. Verse uh, 36 of chapter 6, and so the people were restrained from bringing more. They were restrained because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. And the final amounts that they gathered is staggering. If you flick over to chapter 38 and verse 21, we're told the amounts of gold and silver and bronze that were donated. There was one tonne of gold, 3.4 tonnes of silver and 2.4 tonnes of bronze. They were extraordinarily generous to this great building project of God. And I think their generosity, their generosity having come out of slavery, finding themselves in the wilderness, their generosity to God's great building project ought to challenge us as well with respect to our generosity. In their day, God's great building project was a physical tent. In our day, God's great building project is his church. Not just the branch, but the worldwide community of people who have been called to faith in Jesus Christ. God has called us to build up his church and to build up those in the church and to build up the church by bringing more and more people into church, into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, If you've got a Bible with you, turn with me, leave a finger in Exodus and turn with me to the New Testament, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And listen to what Paul has to say about building the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in the New Testament. After Acts and Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this, By the grace that was given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Paul's using the metaphor of building a building, and he says to us, we need to be careful about the kinds of materials that we use in building. We need to build with precious materials, with gold, silver, costly stones or wood. Now, the kinds of materials that were used in the building of the tabernacle. He's not talking about, you know, real stones and gold and all that kind of stuff. He's talking about the kind of effort and cost that uh, we make uh, in this building project of building God's uh, church. We can use those costly materials or we can use cheap materials. But the problem is, building with cheap materials might fool other people but it doesn't fool God. You know, you can do the home renovation where, you know, you just, you, you, you chuck all the, you know, the rubbish, uh, use all the rubbish stuff that you've got to, to do the work and then you, cut, you know, you put a, a coat of paint over the top, no one would know until, you know, some disaster strikes and the wall falls down. The cheap materials will be shown up for what they are on the day that Jesus returns. And Paul isn't, as I've said, talking about building a building, but he's talking about building a church. The question is, what are we using? How are we investing what God has given to us for the building of his church, for the building of his worldwide community of people who have been called through faith in Jesus Christ? It's worth sitting down, I think, and doing a a stock take, doing the maths and thinking about how generous we're being to God's work, to God's great building project. Because it can be both encouraging to do that and it can be quite revealing. You can add up all the money that you give away, whether it's to the church, whether it's to missionaries, whether it's to those in need. You can also add up the time that you give to God, to to church, to serving others. Uh, And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to sit down quite purposefully and and to think about it, to write it down on paper, because often when it's just floating around in our head, we, we fall into one of two errors. We either think we're doing more than we really are, or, or often, actually, we can also think we're doing less than we really are. And so it can be very helpful to just do a stock take on where is your time going, where is your money going? You might discover as you do that that you're giving away almost nothing. Uh, and if when you add it up, uh, all together, you're giving away less than 10% of your income, then as a rule of thumb, you probably need to do some serious recalibration. 10% is a good kind of minimum starting place. For many of us, that will be a helpful thing to aim for. 
you might also discover that you're giving away very little of your time. You might discover that barely an hour of your week goes into building God's church. You might discover that you're just giving God the leftovers of your time, your spare time, the, the, the five or ten minutes here and there that you can squeeze in among all the other busy projects of your life. The spare money that you have left over when you've got all the things that you have on your to-do list. You find that you're giving God the dregs rather than giving God the family treasures. But you might also discover that you're giving away more than you thought. The generosity uh, to God's work of some of the people in this church is just extraordinary. I, I can't speak about it because it would embarrass some of those people and some of the people would like to keep their generosity to themselves and to their relationship with God. But there are people here who are just extraordinarily, gener extraordinarily generous. Astonishingly, this church in its entire history has never failed to meet its budget. I think that's incredible. I don't know. I've never heard of a church that, that has done that. This year it will be much harder. We've, we've increased our costs in spending on, uh, on ministry workers uh, and ministry training. But if we are to meet the budget this year, it will be because of the generosity of you and the people here. But it's not just money that people give. It's time as well. There are people in this church who probably do more volunteer work in one week <laughs> than, than, than some people would do an entire year. I was talking to somebody the other day who is responsible for ministry in our church, which I thought didn't take any time. I thought, oh, you know, it's just spare minutes here and there. They said to me, my Monday is spent, half of Monday is doing the paperwork for the business and the other half is spent doing the administration for the area of ministry that they're responsible in the church. Half a day a week. Some people are, are, are running multiple complex ministries with high demands in terms of time and energy, and they've been doing it for years. Other people are in the kitchen week after week. If you go and you get a coffee after church, sometimes you see the same faces there week after week, not because they've been rostered on, but because someone else wasn't able to turn up and so they've just got there and they're helping out. Others are nearly always the last to leave on a Sunday because they're here tidying up, cleaning up after everybody else has gone home. There are people in this church who are extraordinarily generous in time and money and love in so many ways. But maybe you're not doing anything much at all. Maybe when you do the paperwork and you calculate what it is that you're doing, maybe you'll find that there isn't much that you're doing to serve God's church and God's people. And for some people in some seasons of life, that will be the case. You know, there'll just be too much going on that they just, they, they can't add another thing to the plate. That's a question that you need to sort out with God and, and, and through the advice of those around you. But it's worth sitting down and praying and thinking, how can I contribute? How can I be generous 
to God's great building project, the church. Because the people of Exodus, when Moses, when God came to them and said, here's the great building project, what can you do? Give all that's in your heart to give. When God came to them and said that, they gave willingly and extravagantly to God's great building project. Well, not only do the people here give uh, to building the tabernacle, to building the tent, God also gives to them so that they can help in the building. So in uh, chapter 35, verse 30, Moses says to the people, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. God takes this guy Bezalel, it's a great baby name, I just there's so many great baby names in the, in the Bible. He takes Bezalel, he fills him with the Spirit, uh, and according to th- verse 34, he also takes his friend, his offsider, Aholiab, uh, and fills him uh, with the Spirit as well. Why is that? He fills them with the Spirit, he equips them in order to be master craftsmen. God fills them with the Spirit to be able to work with gold and silver and bronze, to come up with artistic designs, to work with fabrics, to cut and to shape wood, and then to be able to teach other people to do the same. I just love Bezalel and Aholiab. They are my two favourite people in the Old Testament. If I ever had kids, I would use those as baby names. I'm sure of it. But I love them because, because whenever we think about being filled with the Spirit, you know, Whenever people think about, what, what does it mean to be spirit-filled? What gifts of the spirit would I love to have? We often things, think of things like, oh, being able to, you know, miraculously speak in another language or, or, uh, or, or, or perhaps to be able to prophesy and to be able to see the future. And what does God do with Bezalel and Aholiab? He helps them to be carpenters, seamstresses, architects. There's no lower form of life, surely, than architects. And TAFE teachers. He gives them these ordinary gifts. We tend to exalt some abilities over other abilities. We exalt the spectacular abilities over the ordinary abilities. But in fact, all human abilities are extraordinary gifts from God. To be able to work with our hands, to build and to produce things, to be able to design things, to be able to create things to be able to work away, labour away day after day and to do these creative things are extraordinary gifts from God. And God has given us those abilities so that we can use them. And most of all, so that we can use them to serve him and to build his church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 again in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4, a little bit after Corinthians, Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. And Paul writes, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul says that Jesus has given to his church people whose task it is, uh, whose task it is to equip others 
uh, so that together we can build up the church. He doesn't mean so that we can build up the church building, although sometimes it might be that, sometimes it might be putting in play equipment for the kids. But he says that the goal, the great goal, is the, the building up of the people. The goal is that we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus. The goal is spiritual maturity. The goal is attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's an extraordinary goal. And Paul says, God has given us gifts, to the, given gifts to the church to train and equip us for that purpose. He's given us the apostles and prophets whose words are recorded for us in the Bible, whose words have been written down, and they still train and equip us as we read the Bible, as we hear the Bible read. God has given evangelists, pastors and teachers who do their ministry now, founded on the foundation of the, of the Word of God, but for the purpose of equipping each one of us to build God's church. Imagine if all the people in, the, in, in Exodus, in the time of Exodus, when God had come and said, look, build the tent, imagine if all the people had said, well, you know what? God's filled Bezalel and Aholiab with the Spirit. He's equipped and trained them. Why don't we just leave the building to them? And I can get on with making the dinner and putting up my tent, sweeping the dust out of the, you know, the front room of the tent. Imagine how long it would have taken if this whole building project had been left to two people. But God, in his wisdom, filled Bezalel and Aholiab with the Spirit. He equipped them, trained them, so that they could train and equip others. I was thinking this week that instead of handing leaflets out as we walk in the door, we should hand out hard hats and high-vis vests. Maybe work boots. I've got some work boots that I never wear. I thought I could wear them. At least I could pretend that I did something useful. I could wear the, these work boots and we could all come and we would all remember that when we're coming to church, we're coming for a purpose. We're coming to build. Every Sunday is a church working bee. Every Sunday is a church working bee where we're coming together to build something, to build God's church, to build each other up in love and in maturity and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But some of us, I think, come to church a bit like some of us come to the working bees, you know, just for the bickies and the lunch. You know, when I come to a working bee, I, I usually try and do something in the library, you know, so, it doesn't, so I, nothing falls down later on. And I just enjoy a good lunch. But, but in all seriousness, we, we need each other, don't we? With our variety of different gifts to, to labour away. To put our shoulder to the wheel with whatever God has entrusted us with. We need to come with our hard hats and with our work boots, with our toolboxes and our tool belts. We need to come ready to work and to build each other up. But it would be a mistake to think that actually that building up and that building work only takes place here for an hour on Sunday. We shouldn't think that when we leave here that there's pegs on the wall that we all have to put our hard hats on and our tool belts on and we leave them here while we go out and go about the rest of our lives through the week. No, we come here, we pick up our tools and we go out with them into the places where God has put us. We come here to be trained and equipped so that when we leave, we can keep on building and keep on doing the work that God has entrusted to us. We come here to be equipped by the Bible and to equip each other by the Bible for serving Jesus 
and for making Jesus known in the places that God has put us, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our community groups, in our neighborhoods, in our shopping centers, everywhere we are. Building God's church as a carpenter, as an architect, as a doctor, as a nurse, as a teacher, as a hairdresser, as a mom, as a dad, as a Sunday school teacher, as a growth group leader. And please notice as well that the way that God equips his people here is not by miraculously giving everyone gifts uh, to do the, the, the jobs that they need to do, but God trains and equips them by giving the gifts to a few people who can then train and equip others. Sometimes I think that we uh, think that the ability to serve and minister to other people kind of just falls out of trees into our laps so that those people who are really gifted and, and are serving in wonderful ways in the church just sort of woke up one morning, rolled out of bed uh, and, and were amazing Sunday school teachers or uh, were amazing evangelists. But it doesn't happen like that. I don't want to embarrass uh, Jacob, but, uh, but Jacob preached for us last week. Uh, and Jacob didn't just wake up one morning and sort of write a sermon and go, done, here it is. Uh, you might not know, but Jacob spent uh, eight years, I think it was, labouring away at a graduate diploma in theology in his spare time. He would come home from work uh, and he'd do his theology study uh, and he'd seek to try and equip himself to be able to minister to others. Uh, he went to training, he did training courses on preaching here at the branch and also in Melbourne. And he and I have spent countless hours together working through all the sermon that he, sermons that he's written over years so that he could grow and so that he could minister to us. Now that's just one, that's kind of one extraordinary example. Not everybody kind of will end up preaching in the church clearly. But I, but I use it just to say it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to be trained up and equipped to serve God's people. This year we started a ministry training nights, quarterly ministry training nights, and the purpose of those is to help to do that, to help to build us up and equip us to minister to each other. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think of better things to do on a Monday night than attend a ministry training course. I can certainly think of better things to do on a Monday night than run a ministry training course. I, my favourite shows are a Monday night. Uh, Four Corners and Media Watch. I just love it. Uh, but... It's so important for us to gather together, to be trained up, to be equipped, to be built up together so that we can serve each other. I need you, we need each other to be able to be built up to the maturity that God calls us uh, to be built up to. So uh, God calls these people to build the tabernacle. He calls them to this generous contribution. He equips them to, to, to build, he equips others to teach them to build. The final thing that I want to pick up on is those words at the end of chapter 39, which are so easy to skip over, but they're loaded with kind of priceless significance. When all the building comes to an end in chapter 39, we find these words, Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded, so Moses blessed them. You might think, well, they don't seem like that extraordinary, like really extraordinary words. 
It's kind of hard to pick up in the, in the uh, English translations, but in the original languages, those words are a very close echo of the words from Genesis 1. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We saw a few weeks ago that the construction of this tent, of this tabernacle, is a kind of an imitation uh, of the original creation. In the tabernacle, God is showing his intent to remake the world and to put the world right again. But what's really astonishing is the fact that God has invited his people to participate in that. God invites his people through Moses to participate in doing that work of rebuilding his world. And when they've finished it, God looks at it and he says, or Moses looks at it and says, it was done according to all that God had had planned. They've actually accomplished what what God had, had called them to do. God could have just dropped the tabernacle out of the sky. It would have saved everyone a whole lot of work. Here's the tabernacle, and bang, here it is. But he didn't do that. He could have just dropped the gold out of the, out of the sky. He could have just made them stumble across an enormous gold deposit. But he didn't do that. He asked them to search their hearts of how they could contribute, and he called them to contribute generously. And he gave them these two men, Bezalel and Aholiab, who could train them and equip them so that they could learn to use the gifts and abilities that God has given them so that they could be participants in God's project of remaking this broken world. God didn't need to do that. He could have dropped the tabernacle out of the sky. He didn't need them and he doesn't need us. But he invited them and he invites us to be part of that project of remaking his world. That work is 100% guaranteed, doesn't depend on us. Jesus has done it. Jesus has, has begun the new creation in himself. He's set the whole work in motion. He's renewed humanity and he's sharing that by the Holy Spirit with those who trust in him. But God still invites us to be part of it, part of his building project in remaking a broken world. God invites us and he equips us to build and to be generous to his great building project. Well, when I went with my dad to help the guys out in renovating that house, they didn't need me. And to be honest, some weekends I probably just got in the way. But, like any good father, dad invited me along so that I could be taught and learn so that I could participate, so that I could join with others in doing something good. And in the same way, God as our loving Father. He doesn't need us, and sometimes we probably just get in the way. But God invites us to participate in his work of remaking his world. He invites us to be generous. He invites us to use the gifts that he's given us to be trained and to work for his glory. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for your extraordinary generosity to us, that you've forgiven us, you've saved us, you've called us to a holy calling, not simply to know you and to believe in you uh, and to be in your family, but Lord, 
to be like you, in building along with you, with the gifts that you've given us to be in your image, with the Holy Spirit who lives in all those who belong to Jesus, empowered, strengthened and equipped to serve you and to build for your glory and to build your church. Lord, not as buildings that will last for eternity, but as people who will last for eternity, called by the gospel to faith in Jesus, saved from sin and saved for an eternity with you. Lord, help us to contribute generously to that work and to build with the gifts you've given to us. And Lord, thank you so much for those people among us and in many other places throughout the world who are doing that and who have done that. Lord, we thank you for their example to us of extraordinary generosity and extraordinary commitment and extraordinary diligence. Lord, some of them not always with what we would consider remarkable gifts, but who have nevertheless faithfully served you with all that you've given to them. Lord, help us to follow their example uh, and to build your church and your kingdom. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.